I think for for anyone, whatever walk of life you're in, um, you, you you always have more options than you think you do. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it's just about having a having a conversation with someone new or um going and reading a different book you know just being open to to possibility i think is is exciting in in those terms and also having a kind of good sense of your own values and what is important to you and making sure that whatever you're doing it's aligned with that sense of um you know who you are and what you want to do in the world. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Sandeep Rao. This is the Sopi Rao Show. We are on planet Earth in the year 2023 in the month of... I got almost everything right. In the month of October. And I hope you're well. I hope you're enjoying the season and whatever season has been gifted to you or whatever change in climate has been presented to you and the opportunity and the ability to adapt and change and test your resilience as a human being. Because I think that's what we all have to do. Build resilience, adapt, change, overcome. Uh, I think that's one of those things of the Navy SEALs, adapt and overcome. It sounds a lot cooler when they're being shot at and when you can take three bullets and you're like, adapt and overcome and have adrenaline. And you're like, oh, but when it's like, oh, we never had so much rain in where I live because we're more of a tropical, not tropical, more of a temperate kind of thing where we have clear cut four seasons and we don't really expect this much throughout the year. And but, uh, yeah. It doesn't sound as cool as got shot by Heckler and Cohn 45. Well, adapt and overcome. You know, the reality of it is that we in some way have kind of taken up the planet for the past 10, 20,000, 40, 50,000 years. And we kind of are the dominant species and we are experiencing what other species did. Now, the dinosaurs, I don't think, had the issue of like lithium ion batteries and fossil fuels and killing dolphins and dressing up elephants in in little bowler hats so they can be ridden on or ride cycles and we didn't have um, cockfights and dogfights and various other things which are cruel human entertainment um, pastimes. But I think they did their own kind of dinosaur fucked up shit. And I think what I'm trying to get to is that we are pretty much done. We have our time and it's just like we have this thing in our head that we're immortal and our species is going to go on forever and ever and ever. But I'm here to say it, that the humans, as we know, us as, is gone. It's going to go. It's going to go very soon. We'll have some hybrid cyborg uh, version in 100 years. But I was, just, of course, I was listening somewhere that the population is going to age 60 years. And above. I think by 2050, we're going to have 80% of our population above the age of 60. So we're pretty much done. We're under the decline. So it's cool. Good to make peace with that. Now, when uh, the reason I mentioned this is because there's so much chatter, right, with anything, whether it comes to business, whether it comes to um, more than business, the, the space of philosophy and human, human existence and spirituality. There's this word which I love, which is intellectual masturbation, right? Everyone wants to talk about the books they've read or their opinion on the philosophy or their take on the interpretation of a text that they read and how it makes them feel and how, it, but in, even in the space of climate change or whatever, there is so much of this, um, is this the word post postulation or these these pr pr proposals of what should be done, what can be done, and there's these you know you have these get-togethers where you have panelists, and I was one of them this past got weekend gone by, and you know I'll be honest with you, man, it's boring um, because there are people actually doing stuff on um, ground, right? They're dealing with um, providing clean water, they're helping people relocate from flood-struck uh, zones. Um, flood stricken zones, struck zones, stricken zones. There are people actually going out there and helping earthquake victims, right? There are people doing stuff when it comes to building models. But for every one of those who's actually doing, there's a lot of them talking. And I, I, I think as a part of the panel, I'm, I'm one of those people. Now, is it wrong to have intellectual masturbation? I don't think masturbation itself is a problem. I think all of us enjoy it, whether it's with the mind or whether it's with the extension of the mind in some sense of uh, release. It gives us a sense of importance and appreciation. But if it's only intellectual masturbation, then it runs dry, just like 
you know, some of these boys and girls and some of you maybe who've done it 15 times a day. And you're like, my God, I'm exhausted. I'm dry. I'm a husk of who I used to be. So I think just like how you masturbate, I think intellectual masturbation in itself should be um, an outlet, an occasional release. And I think appreciate it for what it is. It's just a way to get out that pent up pressure. But if that's all you engage in and become one of those expert panelists who appear on every TV show, I think then you're just one of these guys who's addicted to the idea of releasing, releasing, releasing without even caring about who you're releasing on. So I think that's something to be aware of. And I think with all these platforms we have and we're sharing on today, I think there is a temptation to be an intellectual masturbator. It's just that you need to catch yourself early or you're going to run dry and you're going to be discarded and you're going to be a husk of who you were. And there's no point becoming a husk, you know. So I think, you know, hats off to the people who are actually doing the work and actually, um, you know, building systems, making alterations in the, in, in the existing way we, we consume or we are, um, the, the way we kind of, you know, our impact uh, on oceans, on forests. And I think that people are actually doing work there and conservation of animals and who are also going after these these um, illegal farming practices or these people are doing illegal uh, factory farms. And I think there are a lot of people doing good work there. And I think they go unnoticed because they don't have time to get on panels and talk about it. They don't have time to go and do, um, you know, PR work or be on these news shows and talk about how, my God, the 40% of the things, because these guys are doing the actual work. And of course, I think when they do come on, I think it's amazing to hear their stories of what happens on the ground. And I think that is brilliant because it's stories of hope and stories of the fact that we are resilient and we can make change happen. But for everyone, every 10 of those, there are thousands of the intellectual masturbators, the IMs in your DM. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say. And let me now get to the exciting part, the more exciting part of today's show, which is my conversation with today's guest, Mr. Dominic Colenzo, a former Hollywood actor, a speaker, and a communications expert. Dominic and I have a fantastic chat today about what it means to engage with community, to, to have a sense of power telling your story, how to build on your life experiences, how to use life experiences not to get stuck and move on into a space which you are threatened by or which you're tentative about because you're comfortable where you are. And Dominic's story is great from Hollywood, entering a world of business, which he had no idea about, but then thriving in that building a team and helping people tell their story, communicate what they need to with the world at large. So I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode with Dominic. We've had a um, we have a lovely chat about a lot of things that are relevant to you and are things that are important to understand going forward and living and navigating the world around us. So, um, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Of course, do share it with someone, uh, with anyone or with everyone. And um, if you're listening to it on any of the platforms, do give it a rating. It helps the podcast go a long way. And of course, if you're watching it on YouTube, I would really appreciate it if you could like share the video and subscribe to the channel. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. And here's a conversation with Dominic Colenzo. Thank you. Dominic, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Oh, brilliant to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, you're, um, I read somewhere where you have um, spent quite a lot of time teaching drama, studying drama, and also on stage live and also behind um, the camera or in front of the camera, sorry. And now you kind of have this focus on helping people improve their performance. So when you look at a traditional performance-based art form, which may be acting or could be theater, to applying that to the corporate stage, how, how has that, that journey been for you? So, I mean, I think that in 2023, we're all now in show business. I mean, you and I are, are talking to each other across the world, um, having having this conversation that's going to be broadcast to you know, an unlimited audience. Mm. And we are having to use skills that 20 or 30 years ago 
were reserved for you know actors and and tv presenters essentially um but every single person that's listening to this podcast will have spent some time on zoom or teams or google meet or something like that um in in the last sort of 24 hours most probably so a lot of the the kind of toolkit that actors use in order to engage in order to um, create curiosity in order to take an audience on a journey are incredibly applicable to people in in every walk of life these days um when when i first kind of got into this it was it was happens dance really I, I was I'm always kind of curious I'm I'm one of those people that t- tends to notice things mm-hmm. um and um and I got asked by someone whether I would help their their business with something on storytelling and I, and I kind of went well I'm not I'm not sure if I can do that but I'm willing to to give it a try and what was fascinating to me was how quickly the toolkit that I understood as an actor and as a teacher of acting at that time at RADA and a couple of the other big drama schools in the UK, mm-hmm. um, how applicable those those things were um, to normal people. And I, I just found that really kind of exciting. Um, and it took me on a whole new journey of discovery. You know, what's, what's remarkable is, as you pointed out a few a minute back, is that we're all in some way expected to act, right? Right now with... Um, social media influencers or getting likes or putting your strongest foot forward on these various platforms. Uh, But when it comes to acting, right, at least from my experience and sort of, you know, viewing that world as an outsider is many times the actor tells uh, or rather act out the story that is told to him or her by whether it's the script or whether it's the director directing the action, right? Uh, So for you from going from that world where you were told how to act, or at least you were given guidelines of acting out the story, which was mm-hmm. presented to you uh, to now finding a way to tell your own story. H- how much of a challenge was that? Or was it a pretty smooth transition? So uh, my decision to start telling my story was actually a, a little kind of rocky if mm-hmm. uh, if that's a good a good way to describe it right uh, but, but but and I'll I'll talk about that but what I what I think is really interesting you you said you know we're all acting um and I would probably challenge that assertion a little bit mm-hmm. to begin with because ideally we're not putting on an act you know you don't want to be going into your office um or or sitting in your virtual teams meetings for six hours a day pretending to be someone else you need to be the best version of you um and i and i think that's really important is that it's for me it's not about helping people kind of put on a mask or or pretend to be something different it's saying we all have this range available to us mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're different in different situations i'm i'm different if i'm sitting down and having a meal with my wife and my daughter than i am if i'm standing on stage speaking to a thousand people at a conference that's a different version of myself it's a different yeah. version of myself that that goes and watches a sports game and cheers on my favorite team so we have these kind of different personas if you like that are a normal natural part of who we are when I work with businesses, I'm, I'm looking to help people have more accessibility to all of those different parts. Um, so to go back to the the original question, like for me, initially, that was that was quite difficult because I I had this voice in my head, this limiting belief that, you know, p- people wouldn't be interested that, um, you know, that that talking about what we've done in life is in some way, you know, being boastful and arrogant and in in reality in my experience stories are the things that connect us when when you're able to share a little bit about who you are then that draws people in and and people become kind of interested and and excited to learn more so initially when i when i first sort of moved into the world of business i was actually quite resistant and mm. So talking about the fact that I used to be an actor and that I'd had, you know, these these amazing experiences. But now 
I'm much more comfortable about it because it's not about me. You know, I'm not saying I was fantastic. I'm saying, look, I got to work with uh, amazing people. I, I got to work with, um, you know, Bill Nye and Sir Michael Gambon and uh, Bill Paxton and Sir Ben Kingsley. And I got to learn from those people. You know, I was like a sponge. I just got to to soak it all in. And if I can share a little bit of that wisdom and knowledge with my audience and my clients, then it's only going to have a positive impact in the world. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, you know, you mentioned, because I think that is so essential to acknowledge that we all have, you know, different stories within us, right? And it, 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 I think the word, I, I want to just clarify that point, acting in a, just in, in a minute. But, you know, when, when, I, when, I, um, when you um, are participating in different aspects of your life, you kind of are doing those different roles. You're playing the role of a yeah. husband or a father or a, or, or, or a, a colleague or a professional. But, and I think that's great. I think that's the depth of a human, um, of a human being and also the entire potential of the individual. Um, you know, what I was referring to specifically was this sense where we are told this, um, this, this, this word today, that, which is authenticity, right? I'm sure you, you, yeah. you, of course, believe in it. And I, so do I, but, more and more now, I'm just, um, you know, looking around and listening to what's happening around, you know, you have these narratives which are more popular than others on on, on, on popular media, social media, where, you know, if you are said or seen or heard saying certain things, which you might authentically feel, it doesn't go against, it goes against the grain of popular media. And automatically you've heard this, right? Cancel culture or canceling someone. Yeah. And as a result, that's what I was referring to as acting. You might have to say things or do things or behave in a certain way, which is not natural to you or might not be authentic to you, might not even be a, way, a form of honest expression. So how, how do you help someone? Because I think it's great what you're doing with, giving a person the potential to accept all their various versions and also present that and uh, help them bring that under compelling and honest and, uh, you know, uh, with conviction. But when we live in a world today where there are certain things that are rewarded and certain things that are punished, how do you mm -hmm. help someone navigate that um, dilemma? If, that, if that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. I think the two things that are most important is understanding your audience so, you know, it's, it's never about you. It's, it's always about them. And if we put the spotlight on ourselves, then, you know, ego and um, our, our, our own kind of worldview can be too prominent. Whereas if we put our, our, our spotlight on our audience and think, who am I sharing this message with and why, then that, starts to change things mm -hmm. um uh, and then i think the other piece is is around vulnerability so i always think that vulnerability brings power the more open you can be the more vulnerable you can be the more powerful you are because you kind of say to the people that you're engaging with i'm not scared of you but you don't need to be scared of me. And I, you know, I see, I, t I take your point in kind of popular culture right now that there, there's a, there's quite an aggressive um, trend to, to be controversial and to be difficult. And I think those things burn quickly and they burn brightly, but ultimately, you know, they, they, they disappear off the radar quite quickly as well. And uh, Common, <laughs> common sense will prevail hopefully <laughs> yeah and, and i and i think you know con consistency is really really important if if people see you um being consistently different um then then they kind of go like who is this person so you know you you can't you have to be the same you in all of the team meetings that you go to or all of the, you know, conversations that you have with your family, if you're constantly like switching your personality, then people will find that very kind of disconcerting in the end. Um, so I, I think whilst we're, we're talking about range and we're talking about nuance at the heart of that is your decision to, to say, you know, this is me and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm happy for you to see me and I'm happy to show up in the world um, and share who I am. And that must be hard, especially coming from 
the Hollywood industry or even the, 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 the British film industry or even being on stage, right? Because I can uh, kind of um, empathize a little bit with the stage aspect being a comedian yeah. for some years um, is when you, you know, as a, um, this is not so much the, t- the, the content of what we're acting out or telling in, in, in our respective fields, but, you know, there's this um, image that actors get, right? There's this pressure that comes along with being an actor. There's a public image. And automatically there's a level of comparison where how you are in your last role or what role you take up in the next movie or the next play. And, you know, just like how when we look at a conversation with Elon Musk or with uh, Steve Jobs interview from 1999, you kind of just look at certain beneficial aspects of those people or whether it's Leonardo DiCaprio, whoever it may be, right? And you kind of look at the success, the stories or success, or even if it's like a rags to riches story, you kind of, you look at the positive, which I think is fine, but there's so much more to it, right? Because I'm not a trained actor. I've not been to acting school, but I can, I can only, you know, assume that it's not for every good actor there, you know, who's not successful. I mean, there are so many good actors who haven't made it that big, but at the same time, there are so many actors who haven't even made it beyond a certain point. So there is a lot of depth to, to the art form of acting. So Mm -hmm. um, how, how, you know, because even there you have to pick your story, right? Because you might not agree with or might not like certain um, scripts that were given to you and you might not like it. So did that process of selection or uh, how, how did you navigate the world of film and the navigate the world of, of, of stage uh, acting when um, and, and how did those skills help you after you got out of that space? So one of the things that I find most frustrating about that industry is that it's it's not linear, um, and I'm and I'm sure you, this will resonate with you from the kind of comedy world that you, <laughs> you you can give a fantastic performance and you can have a really good uh, review or um, you know critical acclaim, and then the next time you step up, it's like snakes and ladders. <laughs> you go you go down the snake, and you're you know you're starting from scratch again. So in in most jobs, you know if I if I join an organization as a junior accountant and then I work my way up to accountant and then I become senior accountant and then I become head of finance and then I become CFO and there's this kind of like career path that is almost kind of mapped out for you. Um, and in the world of acting, I, I, I found that wasn't the case. I found that, you know, continually I was having perceived success and then you get to the end of that job and you kind of go, Oh God, like what, what's next? Um, mm. And, and I, I'll, I'll be very honest. I, I found that very difficult and very frustrating. I, I had a couple of instances in in my career you know, where, where I thought, oh, I'm doing the best work ever. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, back, back to the beginning again. Um, but what that does give you is a, is a sense of resilience. And what it also did for me is it made me start to kind of question what was most important to me. And one of the things that I think I liked least about the world of acting was that it was very, self-centered so you're Mm. absolutely right it was like you know how do how do I look is my is my six-pack good enough what's my hair doing today um rather than what is uh you know what's important to others how how can I help so it became inherently quite selfish and from a values perspective I'm not sure that that ever sat particularly well with me um, I always, uh, I, I always felt that there was something missing, which is, uh, which is, I suppose, why I transitioned my career from acting to directing, because then it was about facilitating a team and helping people fulfill their creative potential rather than making it all kind of about me. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's another thing which we, we experience globally, like in India, of course, the Bollywood and regional film industry is now exploding on various yeah. scales, right? Like, uh, even on the global front with the Oscars recently, uh, Indian film picking up best song. Um, so these characters, right, these, these stars from like, say, Shah Rukh Khan to Ranveer Singh, which, and even across to sport, you have these sporting um, celebrities, and and you as you very rightly pointed out, it's a very self centered thing, and, and and people just you know the adulation and and then when it goes across, when it crosses over from film, like the, you know you look at this person who's great as an actor, 
and then you say, oh, you know what? They give the best um, marital advice. I'm like, but how? I mean, how are these people suddenly transcending <laughs> the realm of being great screen actors or great stage actors or great cricketers or footballers to now becoming social icons who we must uh, emulate and who we must worship? For what reason, right? Where does that come from? I'm, I, I was very lucky because I, you know, I was having my acting career before the days of, you know, a proper mobile phone. I think I had a Nokia thirty-two ten or whatever it was called back then, and I, you yeah, know, the same age, yeah. And, and so there wasn't that sort of social media pressure. And I, I speak to young actors now who who say that actually, you know, their their social media presence and how how many followers they have on X or Instagram is a contributing factor to whether or not they get cast in the role and I'm like god that's exhausting because you know mm. trying to have a social media presence is a is a job in and of itself um but I think what's what's interesting if I think back to my experience as an actor your your opportunity to kind of get to let your ego get in the way is actually quite huge. I, I remember I was on set for for Thunderbirds and we had, we were in kind of the background of quite a lot of scenes. We didn't have a huge amount to, to do, but you were kind of in and in and out um, every morning at this particular point in time. And uh, as a, as a kind of senior cast member, you, you normally get someone attached to you. So you get a third assistant director whose job it is to kind of, you know, pick you up and move you from your dressing room to, to the makeup room and take you from the makeup room to the set. Um, and they obviously sit within a, a hierarchy as well. Mm. So they're, they're reporting directly into um the the second assistant director who is then reporting into the first assistant director um and so in those sorts of environments everyone has their job um as an actor it can be really easy to to get bored you know you've been picked up by a driver at 5 30 in the morning you arrive on set at 6 15 you sit in your dressing room for 20 minutes then you go and uh, do hair and makeup, then you go back to your dressing room. And I remember this one particular day where I, I, I just really wanted a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And I'd asked my, uh, the, this, this runner or, or third AD, whether they would, would mind getting me one because we weren't allowed to walk on to set, um, before we'd gone to hair and makeup. So, you know, can you get me a cup of tea? And about 20 minutes later, this, this kind of cup of tea hadn't hadn't arrived and I remember very vividly kind of him like me suddenly getting very frustrated because actually it was kind of like a little prison I wasn't allowed to move my box come mm. out of my box and and I've I felt that kind of pressure building in myself to be like angry with this guy who hadn't got me a, a cup of tea and I thought no I'm not I'm not going to do this I'm going to I'm going to go and uh, I'm going to get my own cup of tea so yeah. I kind of crept out of my dressing room went on to set and and grabbed a cup of tea um and when I got back to the dressing room, the guy said to me, he said, um, why did you get your own cup of tea? And I said, well, you didn't get me a cup of tea and I really wanted a cup of tea. Uh, and he said, but I got into trouble because, <laughs> because I'm meant to be the one that gets you. Like, so you, it's this kind of minefield. So you can see quite easily how you know at certain actors get a really bad reputation as being difficult to work with and short because to a certain extent the the situation that you find yourself in, in encourages that and I could have quite easily you know turned into a monster and started saying get, get me this get me that um and, and I, I didn't realize quite you know how prevailing the ecosystem was and how many people's toes you might be treading on if you start to break the rules so <laughs> it's not easy yeah because that that word right that ecosystem across the board it's a pecking order right each person is in their own little bubble and that bubble can either isolate them from the structure at large or why they're even there to another level of creating the sense of importance within that bubble right because you do have a person um um, who's uh, shadowing you for your various needs. But at the same time, mm -hmm. if you're not aware that that person's a part of a cog in a machine, which is responsible for something else, answerable to someone else, then you can just kind of wave your arm and say, hey, you know what? I'm the king in my little bubble and I can just shout and get my way. And yeah. it's, it's 
I mean, by just by design, it sounds like such a, uh, it sounds like a system that caters to the ego. And now, even in but sport, it's, it's not that. Yeah, sorry. It's it's not that different from like ninety nine percent of organizations that you walk into, though. You yeah, know, if yeah, you, yeah. You think like you know, here's here's your CFO and here's the C suite and here's the middle management and the, and and what is fascinating to me is that in that creative industry, the the best sets, the best um, teams, are the ones where that kind of hierarchy is not dispatched with but is loosened and and flattened so we i i gave that example of thunderbirds of where i felt like that but in fairness to the to the person at the top so jonathan frakes was the the director of the show mm-hmm. um and he was a riker in star trek so he was a, an actor himself he knew how these things work right and he was absolutely brilliant about creating an atmosphere on set where everyone felt valued and and everyone knew what their role was but also you know felt felt empowered to be part of that creative process so yeah i learned a lot of lessons in leadership from watching people like jonathan run those sets because when it's done well actually things things work except for getting a cup of tea uh, <laughs> things work really you know work really well in the in the background and in the main um and it's where those things break down and where people do go into those silos that i think problems start to exist whatever industry you're working in yeah and that's what i was pointing out not the individuals because there are good people doing great work and great people doing even better work and that's when the system you know kind of is left behind of course but you know i was kind of hinting at when the the design itself caters to certain um human traits that bring out this kind of uh, thing like attention seeking or or ego kind of centric behavior and mm-hmm. you know I, I did a show uh when you know maybe five, five six years back and i'm sure you've heard of the ipl the cricket league that happens here yeah and that is run exactly like a corporate and many would say that's great right because i think um from my limited um knowledge and interest in cricket a lot of youngsters have been given opportunities which is fine but when i went for the show i was performing for the team and the media and this was in in a, in a hotel and i had to go um you know in you know talk to a couple of the cricket players before i get on stage so we can kind of semi rehearse the script of what i'm going to ask them yeah. because it's run like such a brand each cricket player or each team member has a certain avatar if you want to call it there's a team manager yeah. and i found that you know because whether you know even you know, it's something funny which happened a uh, day before, like Trevor Noah came to perform in Bangalore, right? And he's come with this massive team. And now an artist, once they cross a certain level, whether it's an actor, whether it's a cricketer, they're no longer that skilled individual who's going out putting their talent, but they are managed by certain corporate-like uh, forces. And yeah. I don't know if I have a problem with that. It's just an observation, but that seems to do two things. One is that it makes, if if you're not aware of it, it makes you forget that you are there for a certain reason, that you're a comedian who's funny, who got really popular. And that's why now you're being managed because it makes your life easier because you don't have to go and answer phone calls, book tickets and all of that to, um, or even a cricketer. But that's one thing makes you think that you're more than who you are and why you're even there. And I think the second thing is that it takes away the humanity of it because um, you kind of are now just being placed by that management or that agent to fit a certain agenda in their hierarchy or their, um, you know, what's what's the word, their roster of the various artists or the various things they manage, you know, that, that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think the best people that I've worked with find a way to stay grounded in, in those sorts of situations and to allow you know the machine to to get on with it and facilitate what it is that they uh have to do but ultimately you know to remain connected to the people that they're serving um and again you know it's it's the it's just it's the same in life isn't it whether you're whether you're in a in a family environment or a work environment like why am i here who am i here to connect with um mm. what what's important about this moment and you know for for me that idea of presence is is really important it's a really grounding philosophy um people often say you know 
what is actors have presence they have stage presence comedians have presence what what's all of that about and and the best way that i've kind of found to describe it is that that person when you see them and you feel their presence they they have that because they're in the moment yeah they're in the here and now they're not thinking about what just went wrong they're not thinking about what's coming up they somehow managed to maintain that that connection with you um as an audience and that's incredibly powerful mm. uh you know and and whether you access that through meditation or going for a run or putting on your favorite rock tunes on your ipad and moshing out for five minutes whatever it is that kind of gets you kind of out of your head i suppose and into your body um i think that that's an absolute prerequisite for kind of resisting all of the other stuff that's going on around you that's such a powerful statement right because the presence is something which is undeniable right it it can it can it makes of makes like legends of of not ordinary people like because you you hear these stories are like oh my god like i remember getting someone on the podcast who worked um on saturday night saturday night live and he was talking about getting ready for his interview with lauren michaels and he was sitting in the waiting room and he said, I was just really, really nervous and I didn't know what to do because I had no clue of how I'm going to get this. And he said, Chris Farley came and sat with him and just spoke to him, not like giving him a pep talk, but just spoke to him. And he said that just eased my tension. And when I went into yeah. Lauren, I'm like, this is just another guy. So the fact that this guy remembers the, that, that story, that's that's presence. And, and you hear across the board, right? Like when whoever the actor, this person, this presence is so powerful that for years, their memory and their kind of dignity and their presence lives on, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? That's the story in itself, as opposed to the number of Oscars they got or the number of movies they made. And I find that beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Bill Paxton was a brilliant example of, of you know, someone that, yeah, okay, he he had, um, you know, ego and star quality and all of that sort of stuff. But he, he really cared about the people that he worked with. Um, I, uh, I remember not long after we'd been cast, uh, for the, for the Tracy brothers. So Bill Paxton was playing our dad. Um, and he, uh, he phoned me up. So I was, I was walking, I was living in London at the time. I was walking to my girlfriend's house and my mobile phone went and there was a withheld number mm-hmm. and I answered it. And it, it, he said, uh, Hey Virgil, it's your dad, this American accent. And I'm like, what? I th- like thought maybe one of my friends was pranking me. And I walked under an underpass and my mobile phone signal cut out. And then as I got to the other side, I was like, oh, oh, my God, that was <laughs> Bill Paxton's just phoned me. What's what's going on? And of course, I couldn't phone him back because the number was with him. Anyway, luckily, he, he he called me and he said, he said, look, I've just arrived in London and I want to get you and the other uh, my other sons together so that we can just spend some time bonding with each other before we have have to go on set and and do the job so you know are you free on friday to to come over and meet me at my hotel and we'll go out for dinner and and it was just like it was absolutely amazing because as a god what was i at that time 21 i was 21 years old and like this opportunity to to be in this big movie set and to be working with these stars like there was a huge amount of nerves there but that sort of leadership really kind of helped me get get rid of that and feel very comfortable day one walking onto set um it was a completely different experience because of the generosity of bill um in in taking that step and and getting us all together and you that's 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 really sort of endearing to hear you know like because it's so overwhelming or the potential to be overwhelmed is so easy in that scenario and and would you um, you know, you would probably see these kind of individuals even in business, right? Where they, uh, along with their success or along with their position, they kind of have this this innate ability to bring other people up with them as opposed to repressing yeah. them to get higher. And I think that's such such a beautiful thing to see. And I think it's not enough out there. You know, I think more and more now um, when you look at the influencer economy where you have people saying me, me, the cameras facing me. They're like, Hey guys, you know what I did today, what I want to do while it's more intimate and it doesn't have the, the middleman of what typical industry does. I, in some way I feel it, it, while it's the most personal intimate connection between an audience and the creator of that content, 
that that thing which I feel is missing is that presence. You know, it's it's so forgettable. It's so like today you're famous, today you have a million views, tomorrow you're nowhere. And yeah. the views being the constant that you're running behind takes away from that humanity because while it's the most amazing potential and opportunity to be human and connect, it's not there. <laughs> the, the reality is that, you know, every, every single person listening to this show has has the ability to change their world and and the world of others and we all have amazing stories we might not think of them as amazing stories but i i would say that pretty much you know any listener to this show if if they sent us in their chronology and their their life experience we could craft that into some sort of hollywood blockbuster or bollywood blockbuster yeah. so we've we've all got that kind of innate potential within us um, but in order to create anything, it, it's about connection and bringing other people along for the journey. So that influencer world does portray this thing of like, it's just me, me, me. Mm. But in, you know, even, even once, you know, once those influencers grow, the team behind that influencer grows and you can't, you know, you can't do these sorts of things without a team. Um, and the best leaders that I work with, in the corporate world really kind of un- understand that importance and that you you can be out there inspiring people but you also have to be out there in the background supporting people as well in order to get the best out of them nice now you 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 mentioned um you know this this idea of popularity determining the the roles you're going to get and maybe this is going to happen sooner than later, even in business, right? Like someone's going to look at your social media footprint and say, you know what, you're really good on social media and they call it social credits, right? Yeah. If your social credit rating is really good, you're going to get a job or denied a job. Um, but with this in mind, the way we are uh, placed right now with the influencer economy, with this entire focus on shot-based content, with this mm-hmm. idea of constant monitoring and you know customizing your data based on what you do, your click base, to the other reality of this this reality television where we have shows like, you know, America's Got Talent or The X Factor, where it's your ultimate performance, make it or break it. You have a 60-year-old man to a three-year-old girl just coming going, you know, this is what I've dreamt of. I don't know what three-year-olds dream of, but clearly America's Got Talent. And they land up there and they give it their heart's performance. And then you have four people in the prime of their career going yes or no. And it's mm-hmm. building this illusion, tears in the and the joy and the families and it's creating this story and this world of stories where everything's kind of like the Cinderella at midnight kind of thing right what do you uh, as as a person who's in both worlds you've kind of ridden um, your, your path through the world of stardom and Hollywood to this the world of business and community and society so where are we heading because when I watch X Factor and you know you have those things with the with the confetti blowing away and this girl or guys has sung their heart out in tears and Simon Cowell is good. And the reason, because I mentioned, mentioned Simon Cowell is because there is something in your, in your past with him. So I wanted to understand both things. Of course, if you don't want to talk about it, I'm happy to ignore that. But what are we heading towards with this world of reality television, this world of glitter and glam, while what you're saying is connection, vulnerability, authenticity, these things are so good for us and good for us to form connections and form a bond with our fellow human beings. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the the instant world is there to stay, but it's it's not reality. I mean, that's in the interesting thing about reality TV is it, it bears no resemblance to, to reality <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, but, but but it has the opportunity to to turn people into these kind of perceived overnight successes. I I haven't done this, but if you were to go um, back through, you know, the the winners of Britain's Got Talent, Americans Got Talent, American Idol, Pop Idol, X Factor. If you were to list the people that have won those shows in the last 20 years, there's probably going to be what, uh, 200, 300 names on, on that list. I would I would be surprised if you or I would recognize more than one or two of them. So you have this kind of very kind of hot um, like burst of exposure. And then for most people, uh, it, it dies away. Whereas actually, if you see if you see other people that follow a more kind of normal, quote unquote, path to success, 
overnight success normally has you know 15 years of hard graft going on in the background that olympic athlete that that you know holds up the gold medal they didn't they they didn't put on a pair of running shoes for the first time 3 weeks ago they've been mm. you know training since they were a a child so i think true success and longevity is is born out of hard graft and even even some of those big kind of youtube influencers there are people that have been running youtube channels for 15 20 years yeah. that are now you know they have millions and millions of viewers and subscribers but that that didn't come you know instantly so i i think that's kind of important to know i think i think in terms of you know visibility it, it is going to be an important part of personal brand going forward and that's going to be hard for people that are more kind of on the introversion scale and and who find these sorts of things more more difficult and i think you know recruitment uh the the recruitment kind of fraternity in 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 the corporate world are going to be are going to have to be careful that they're not just recruiting on the number of linkedin likes that someone has yeah um so we, you know, we're we're going to have to battle with all of these things as as we go forward, but but I think the reality is that success builds over time, and that you know you you get to pivot and you get to change, and I think you know I'm I'm probably an example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not doing what I did twenty years ago, but I'm still using the skill set, and I and I've built on that and developed it and enhanced it. Um, and if we get to sit down in 20 years time, I may well be doing something completely different. It will be connected. There'll be a, there'll be a linear, um, story thread that, that goes through it. But I think, you know, it's all about continual development and evolution. That's really nice to hear. You know, it's funny you mentioned that right out of the 200 winners over the past 10, 15 years, you remember one of them. And that's so true because now it's like, yeah, you hear this name and you look at their bio and it's like, yeah, I was on this show. And now suddenly it's like oh, on OnlyFans. It's like that's pretty much the destination <laughs> for 90% of these people. No, yeah. but I, I really um, resonate with that. You know, the fact that you can... Um, you don't have to be doing the same thing because there's this idea now that once you find something, stick to it, become the best in it because that stuck with me, right? 13 years or 11 to 12 years doing stand-up in 2020 when the lockdown happened, I was this person who was looking at stand-up going, it's such a part of my identity, but I don't feel I don't feel good um, not being on stage, but I don't feel good in this industry and letting go of that and moving into a different space, of course, connected doing this right now. It's it's a terrifying thing for people to let mm. go of something that they've um, you know, invested so much time in because people say, oh my God, 13 years and you're giving up. Are you crazy? And, and people are like, what are you going to do now? You're going to start from scratch. And it, it, this is the popular narrative, right? Telling people that what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Like, my God. But it's amazing that you've done it. And, you're, and, and for me, when I did it as well, it just sort of is so, it's terrifying, but it's so, it's so kind of... Uh, light after that right because then you realize you can yeah. do anything and what what is lovely that you mentioned is in 20 years you might not be even um might, might not even be doing this you might be doing something else with connect which is great and i really like that notion of development uh which a lot of people are scared of because that means change and letting go of a comfortable yeah. thing that you've got i think i mean you know you the the moments of growth in my life have always happened when you know metaphorically i've just decided to jump where I I kind of like I've I've got a vague notion of of what I want to achieve um but I but I don't have that kind of certainty that it's absolutely going to happen um but the you know the 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 reality is that most of the time you you land on your feet and sometimes you land on your face and then you have to get up again yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it's it, interesting as well you you use the word g- giving up and i and it's interesting to hear a, a comedian use that sort of narrative as as actors you know people would or you would say i'm i'm giving up and i very early on made the decision that i i wasn't 
giving up because that that was a kind of identity statement uh, to say that I am an actor and that's all I am and mm. and that just didn't feel didn't feel right so you know I I I chose it wasn't something that happened to me it was something that I decided to do I I chose to explore you know other other possibilities and uh, yeah I, I think for for anyone whatever walk of life you're in um you, you you always have more options than you think you do uh and sometimes you know it's just about having a having a conversation with someone new or um going and reading a different book you know just being open to to possibility i think is is exciting in in those terms and also having a kind of good sense of your own values and what is important to you and making sure that whatever you're doing it's aligned with that sense of um you know who you are and what you want to do in the world absolutely i think that sense of attachment and that finite way of looking at it really sort of goes away and you don't take it as seriously right you don't take each uh label that is put on uh as serious you're like yeah i, I could be a speaker i could be a consultant i could be an actor i could be all of them yet none of them yeah. you know and i think that's that's a lovely uh thing that happens in your mind that release of um you know saying that as you you know pointed out just now it doesn't happen to you i chose to do this for myself and as a result you're not no longer one of these things neither all of them but you're all, you're, you're no longer a label but you're beyond it with the skill sets from each label which is beautiful absolutely I want to ask you one thing um or maybe a couple of things we have time before we leave, before we wind up for today Dominic um when you um work in an industry which you said taught you a lot of things about leadership when you looked at people at Bill Paxton or other people you worked with who were senior actors or people in the the industry for longer um versus you you being a director and also teaching actors who are experiencing mm-hmm. this this technological um wave of kind of the, 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 there's such a there, there's no longer a clear distinction between online and the real world right your presence especially when you have to uh, get work so you're kind of teaching these skills to these um, the, the next generation um to say for example when you're working on a stage show in front of a live audience uh, what are some of the things that were similar to these industries be it stage and film and what are the some of the things that were different and which did you um you know take on in 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 your journey moving on in life and which were some of the things that were you know hindering to your growth so i i mean i think if i if i think about the kind of fundamental differences of of camera work versus stage work it it's all about that immediate response so you know when you're when you're on stage um will have been the same for you as as a comedian you know when when you tell the the joke or you hit the funny line there's an expectation that the audience is going to laugh and if they don't laugh then there's something slightly wrong or it can throw you off and you've got to find a way with the person that you're working with on 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 stage to to get the audience back on the side um when you're working on on camera to a certain extent you're you know you're doing this into a void so if you're if you, if you were going to make 30 funny shorts for youtube you you can record them on your phone you can think you're hilarious but until you put them out there who knows what, mm-hmm. what that reaction is going to be so for me i think whilst i i loved my time on on screen my time on stage was was the most exciting because it was that kind of real real time feedback um and i think that's been the thing that's probably most transferable now to working with people in in kind of the corporate world of of helping them understand how to navigate that that real time um experience whether ai and technology is is going to change that going going forward and um, well it will change it in some way going forward i haven't got a crystal ball yet to to know exactly how it's going to change um but i think you know ultimately we we've, we've got to remain uh, adaptable and see where things go that's fantastic and for someone today who's a young actor someone getting in as a young entrepreneur or someone who wants to climb the corporate ladder the, the, you clearly have identified certain themes that are common which 
is what humanity is about, right? It's not the job title. It's the it's the emotional experience. It's the journey of moving along a certain path that you've chosen. So being in these industries and then moving to the business, world of business, helping people from across different industries, from different kind of business verticals, what would you say are some of maybe one or two skills or traits that you've seen that can help people, be it young actors and entrepreneurs or be it students, um, you know, navigate this world, which is so rapidly shifting and more importantly, kind of sustain and stand the test of time with what they choose to do? Yeah, um, I, I think one of the first things is is actually your ability to listen um, and and to listen to understand rather than listen to respond. So we you know, we live in a a very kind of immediate society where there's a, a sense that if I'm not kind of contributing and and giving my opinion or um, making my mark, then uh, I'm, I'm I'm not having an impact. But actually, mm-hmm. especially in those early kind of parts of your career the more you can kind of sit back and and absorb and process and then engage the more powerful it is so you know i i in my early career for me it was just about being that sponge and trying to take on as much as i could be curious ask ask questions um you know volunteer give up give up your time i remember um working with uh, with Bill Nye on uh, the first TV show I did. And I uh, I didn't smoke, he did. And I used to hold his umbrella because it was we were filming in the winter in the UK, so it was always raining. So I used to go out and hold the umbrella so that he could have a cigarette and then I could get to talk to him and I could get to, you know, pick his brains about what he'd just done on that last take or how did he think oh, I should approach this part of my character. So, you know... There's a there's a, a saying. Uh, it, it may have come from somewhere else, but the person that I heard uh, it say it was a, a, an entrepreneur called David Hyatt, who runs uh, something called the Do Lectures, uh, and one of his maxims is "Givers get lucky," and I just absolutely love that. I just think yeah. you know the the more the more you give in reality, um, the more you get. So in in those early parts of your career, listen. And then give as much as you can, and you'll you'll reap the rewards. That's beautifully said. I think um, it it's so important to understand that you know while it is important to work on yourself, I think there's also um, this this sense of a bond when you kind of give and take, which is so hard to do, right? Because you feel like when you're giving away that you're not going to get back. It's this thing that I'm I'm only finite. I only have so much to give, but I need more. And it's a sense of scarcity, which I don't think um, is the truth. I think we have abundance, which we're not told and we're not taught. And we're told that you're only worth your salary or you're only worth your resume or your job title. But clearly that isn't the case. And um, yeah, really well said. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So, Dominic, what, what what are the plans for the foreseeable future? Because you've done quite a lot in the past uh, couple of decades. So uh, where, where, where are you leaning towards going forward? So uh, I, at the moment, I'm absolutely, you know, loving what I'm doing. So no no plans to change right now. Um, we, we run a, a training consultancy, work with uh, businesses internationally, helping their uh, sales teams and leadership teams communicate more effectively. So I, I have this kind of lovely position where I get to go into organizations and and find out what's maybe not quite working as well as they want it to and then helping their people to tell better stories to pitch more effectively um and uh, you know our team is growing and and our reach is growing and for me that's a, a, an amazing impact to to be having and then i've got a pop, pet project on the side which is a a, a podcast um, very much uh, in in the theme of this, talking to great people and and really kind of picking their brains to understand, you know, what's what makes them tick and how they have uh, had their success. So that's called Why Life's a Pitch, um, and is available nice. on uh, all those kind of podcasty platforms. That's a nice name. You know, when when you you know a couple of times over the past hour when we were talking, I closed. I didn't close my eyes, but I could literally. When I heard your voice, it reminds me, you've heard of this um, self-help uh, a person called Jay Shetty, right? Yeah. I don't know if someone's told you, but you sound a lot like him in certain moments. I'm like, 
it's the I think it's the timbre of your voice, the certain pronunciation of words. And I was like, mm. it, it, it because I've heard a couple of his episodes of the On Purpose uh, podcast. Yeah, right? he's great. It's a great podcast. And in my ears, I'm like, my, which podcast am I on? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much, Dominic, for sharing your um, story, for sharing your experiences, for your words of wisdom for people who are listening and who really want to take in from someone who's been in various industries, who's really put in the hard work and um, who's willing to share it because I think that's the key uh, the key idea, right? Not to just keep it to yourself, but to share it with people who can benefit from it. So I really appreciate you taking the time and thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.